Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? I hope you guys all had a good Christmas, and we are back at it again this week. Now, today, just wanted to let you guys know some good news and some kind of shitty news, but um, I did want to let you guys know that we had originally had it planned out for the Murdo and the Eileen episode to be dropped this week. However, unfortunately, Eileen wanted me to go and visit a location. Unfortunately, I was not able to do so. Haven't had the opportunity to go out pretty much all week. So we'll be bringing her episode here soon at some point in January. I will let you guys know more when I have the opportunity, but we want to make this episode really good. So hang on just a little while longer. But other than that, we do have the Murdo episode coming out for you today. And if you are not a patron, this is literally the last time, your last shot to obtain the $2 locked in price. Or the price will be going up to $5 as of tomorrow. So I highly recommend taking advantage of that now. Definitely a good price, I'd say. Getting a lot of episodes right off the hop, $2 a month, and you get all the exclusives through the month. Also did want to remind everyone that if there are still a few people paying the $1 price, if you are locked in at that $1, you're not going to be able to hear any of the episodes. You need to at least up it to $2. I know that there's still a lot of people confused why they're not able to listen to the podcast episodes by pledging only a dollar but a dollar is not going to get you those episodes. So change your price. If you have an issue doing it, you can come to our Facebook group, Freaked Out Podcast on Facebook, and we have a technical group for the patron side. You'll be able to get your answers there on how to do it if you don't know how. Thank you, babe. Today we are going to be covering an episode that we've been wanting to cover for a while. You guys really wanted this one, so we listened and did it. I feel like this with this case, as I was going through it, a lot of the pieces are already put together. So it's, you know, mostly already out there. You guys will know a lot of information. We're basically going to give you an overview of what took place leading up to the events. There is a documentary on Netflix. I highly recommend watching it before listening to this episode because it might be a little easier to follow, at least the first few episodes. Yeah, we're only going to be doing a few details, so you might miss something, so I'd watch that. Now, in June of 2021, Paul Murdeau crashed his father's boat into the Archer's Creek Bridge in Beaufort County, South Carolina. This happened while he was driving five of his friends after an oyster roast. The boat ran on ground in the canal marker, killing Mallory Beach, a teen who was on board. They were so young. Now, Paul came from money. He was drunk. And while driving the boat, everyone had asked him, you know, hey, we're going to take your keys. And he ignored everyone. Now, when he got drunk, he became a very evil personality. I believe that he went by the name of Timmy. That's what they all referred him to. He would become angry and very difficult to deal with. I'm really not sure why anyone would really follow into his footsteps, especially going on this boat. But I mean, you know, kids, peer pressure, all that jazz. They were obviously trying their hardest to find other methods to go home. But from what I gather, Paul became belligerent. And the other boys that were on the boat were trying their hardest to take control as well. 
Sadly, Mallory did lose her life that day on the boating accident. Her boyfriend, Anthony, was completely heartbroken. The relationship was, you know, fairly new, and the two of them were in love. And you can see some videos of their love and them having fun and all that. Now, Paul comes from a very rich family, as Liz mentioned before, and Randolph Murdoch Sr. founded his own law firm and later became the district attorney. Three generations named Randolph Murdoch served as a circuit solicitor for the state's 14th Judicial District from 1920 to 2006. Alec Murdoch was once known as the most prominent lawyer in South Carolina. He was also an owner of the law firm Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Detrick. Now all the kids on the boat were underage. Anthony Cook, Morgan Daughtry, Miley Altman, Connor Cook, and Paul Murdoch. Paul was the one to supply the alcohol, and he used his older brother's ID to buy it on the way out. Paul had been one to suggest the boat because he knew that there was going to be a lot of cops out that night. And in order to avoid that, he decided that going on the boat would be way better and they can drink without getting caught, basically. Since Paul was a major alcoholic, he had to go to the extreme to get drunk. He decided that he was going to shotgun six beers out of a funnel. They went to dinner and then they got back in the boat. Now, clearly Paul was intoxicated, but he didn't care. He was in control and telling everyone to get back in the boat. I'm fine. The fighting got bad with the friends and with his girlfriend, Morgan. He ended up slapping her and called her a whore. Now, dude couldn't even drive straight and he kept leaving the steering wheel and his blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. The crash took place under a bridge and Mallory was gone and out of sight. Police were then called and in that moment, Paul was able to contact his father as well to let him know what took place. Now, due to them having their elite status in the town, they just assume that they run everything that would be Alec and Randolph III and decided to get themselves involved in the case right away. The search and rescue team came to look for Mallory. Now, sadly, they were not able to find her for approximately 72 hours, even a little longer. But in the meantime, the police never contacted Mallory's family. Nobody wanted to deliver the news to them, so they just refused to contact them. Everyone ended up going to the hospital. Morgan had to have surgery on her hand. Connor also had some injuries. Everyone proceeded to the hospital, and Paul was so drunk that he had to be also taken into the hospital. At the time, Alec and his father, Randolph, decided that they were going to tell everyone, including the police, that it was not Paul driving and that it was in fact Connor driving, and then go along with that story, and then everybody would protect them. They're like, basically, don't worry. They were even trying to get into the room where Morgan was getting her hand taken care of to talk to her while she was going through her own trauma. She had to beg the nurse not to allow them to come in the room, as he was also her boyfriend's father. Honestly, though, thinking about it, she just got slapped on a boat by her boyfriend, gotten a boating accident, getting surgery done to her hand. She can't find her best friend and dude's coming in trying to like butt his way in there. Anyway, thankfully they were not able to cover it up because the evidence deemed it basically says that it couldn't possibly have been Connor driving as they ended up pressing charges against Paul in court. 
Paul Murdo was facing charges of boating under the influence, causing severe bodily injury and death in a boat crash. And Paul Murdo pleaded not guilty. Surprise, surprise. Now, things that were weird with this situation was that he did his mugshot in his regular clothes. They set the bail to 50K and they had no date for when his trial was going to happen. He then decided to move into his family's log cabin. Mm, that sounds a little fishy. Why would you move into your family's log cabin if you, you know, did nothing wrong? Now, Paul continued on his life as if nothing happened. No accountability. Big shock there. No guilt. Another big shock. Now, from the outside looking in, it looked awful as if, you know, nothing ever happened. I understand why everyone else was pissed about the situation. And as I carry on completing this episode, Paul had that energy of someone who just didn't take accountability. He kind of looks at it like somebody should have been stopping me. His alcoholic side was a big bully. And the only other thing he knew how to do was basically call his family no matter how drunk he was. Excuses were his life. Now, two years later in 2021, things started to really spiral out of control for Paul. Paul was still getting in trouble with the law, speeding, drinking, and his older brother, Buster, was also expelled from the University of South Carolina for plagiarism. The issues between Maggie and Alec and their relationship was actually getting more and more toxic as time progressed. Due to all the stress going on with their child, but also, I believe, because Alec also had that very untouchable attitude like Paul. So I think that was also getting under her skin. In addition to that, due to the controversy on finances started to dwindle and they were spending more money than they were bringing in and the bills were also starting to get unpaid. Another reason that this couple was fighting. Oh, yeah. And when you live, you know, the high life and that's all you've ever lived, then you start to have financial hardship. <laughs> well, you don't know how to handle that. There were rumors that she had hired an investigative accountant and also a divorce lawyer. Is that true? One thousand percent. From what I gather, she felt like she was just lied to. Nobody was forthcoming with her. Even when it came to money, when it started to disappear, the bills obviously not being paid, Obviously, these random murders happening around as well, but we'll talk about that in the second part. She wanted to basically take her life back and started looking harder into her husband. And because he kept keeping her in the dark about everything, she was getting completely frustrated. Now, on June 7th of 2021, Alec Murdo called 911 to report that he had found his wife, Margaret, and his son, Paul, shot near their hunting estate in Islandon, South Carolina, the bodies appear to have been shot to death near the dog kennels on the 1,700-acre estate. According to Alec, he was home at 7 p.m. He took a nap at 7.30. Then at 8.05, he sent a text message to Maggie and Paul since he didn't see them, stating that he was going out to check on mom and dad. Having a nap for half an hour? All right. Yeah, who sleeps for 30 minutes? I don't even buy that crap. Now, according to him, his father's health was not good, so he was trying to go and check on him to make sure that he was all right, since his health was declining rapidly. And his mother was also suffering from dementia. He got home at around 10.20 p.m. and discovered his wife and son's bodies. Now, Maggie was shot in the head and in the back multiple times, 
as if she was running from someone, and Paul had only been shot once in the chest, and then he was shot in the neck. According to sources, he was shot so badly that he was unrecognizable. The Murdoch family, including Alec's brother, indicated that Paul was receiving threats, and they didn't take them seriously enough, apparently. And then conveniently, Alec put up a $100,000 reward in the case of his wife and his son's murder. The police started to look into some possible suspects due to Mallory and her boating accident. So they went right away to Anthony and told him that he was their number one suspect. And then he gave his alibi ASAP. They were also trying to suggest that Connor may have done it because he was being blamed as the driver of the boat. And of course, you know, he needed revenge on Paul. I mean, revenge, you know, could be that for sure. Although they were questioning everyone in the relation to the boating accident, they did make an announcement on the news that they did not want the public to be worried and that there was no danger to the public, which confused everyone since there has been no suspects named in these random murders. Right? Like, imagine just watching something, hearing somebody had been randomly shot in your neighborhood. Especially a rich family. Right. Like, a rich family's getting shot up, and they're like, nah, don't worry about it, it's all right. They were able to determine quickly that Maggie was shot with an AR, and a very specific AR with very specific bullets, which makes sense. And when she was running away, and Paul was shot with a shotgun, which is very close combat, so, you know, that's obviously the guy knows his gun, so... They were not really able to determine whose gunshot shot Paul, but they were able to determine that the AR-15 was one of the Murdo's guns. Big shocker there. And we all want to have guns. Now, this was the first time that the Murdo's were not able to silently make something just go away. I mean, how can you? Yeah, well, you'll be surprised. All of a sudden, chaos started to take place, and all these deaths were accidental or unexplained. Let's rewind for a brief moment. In 2015, somebody by the name of Stephen Smith was found dead. He was Buster's friend, potentially a lover, that ended up dead. And in 2018, Gloria Statterfield died in the Murdo home due to a fall. And obviously the boating accident that took place in 2019. Now, Gloria was Paul's basically like his nanny. She did everything for him. So when she died, he was obviously devastated. I mean, like, it's almost like a murder every single year happening to this family. And there are like nobody's been a suspect. That's just wild to me. Now, with all of that being said, there are other murders that also took place in all of these deaths, including Stephen and Gloria. We will cover those in a part two. For now, we're just going to focus on the deaths of Maggie, Paul, and Mallory. Absolutely. Too many spirits at once. So, 20 months after their murders, and we're talking about Paul and Maggie, Alex Murdo told law enforcement repeatedly that he had not been at the dog kennels at all that evening. But apparently, again, he had been home napping. But a Snapchat video filmed by Paul just minutes before prosecutors say the shooting took place featured Mr. Madeau's voice in the background. Oh, now we're getting into some juicy details here. Now, Paul doing that was able to name his murderer. Smart idea. Even with that taking almost two years to determine, 
Paul was able to help solve his own murder. Now, while on the stand, Alec decided to confess to more lies, admitting in court that he had stolen millions from his law firm and clients roughly over two decades. He told the jury that despite his repeated past deceptions, he was honest about one thing, that he did not kill his family, but jurors did not believe him. I mean, I wouldn't believe him either. Oh, you say that you stole millions? Oh, that sounds like more like you want to, you know, die and go start a life in Mexico somewhere. To me, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> now, just last month on November 17th of 2023, Murdo pleaded guilty to all 22 of the charges in the incident. On November 29th, 2023, he was sentenced to an additional 27 years in prison in relation to the financial crimes indictment that he spoke about on the stand. Murdo is already serving life in prison without parole. After a wild March trial resulting in a guilty verdict on two counts of murder, his lawyers are seeking a new trial in this case, citing that allegations that the court clerk tampered with the jury. Yeah, let's blame it on the court clerk, not the fact that he was rambling on about stealing billions of dollars from people. Now, of course, his lawyer is going to do that, though. We have a lot to cover in this case, and I want to get started with what took place a couple of days ago. Now with Liz, I will tell you guys all about the crazy things that have been kind of going on in the background with this story and other things for that matter. <laughs> well, on Christmas Day... Our dog was acting very strange towards his crate. We had just purchased a bunch of Christmas dog toys. And, of course, he was, you know, running around and making a big mess. So, you know, I was tidying up and putting everything in his crate. And normally he goes in there and steals the toys. And it becomes this little game between the two of us. Well, definitely not this time. I noticed pretty much instantly that he was just kind of acting strange. He was just staring at the crate and, like, backing up slowly and just staring at it, which is not like him. He normally will jump in there. He has no issues with it. He loves to lay in there. Now, unless he's staring at some sort of spirit that's freaking him out, he does see them often. So he was definitely like scared of this thing. He kept looking over at it. He was restless. It was just crazy. He has done this in the past a couple of times, but this one was giving him some major anxiety he kind of was like inching closer, then backing up, closer, backing up. It was kind of a crazy thing. But it definitely made me pay attention to what he was seeing. Then I looked over to Liz and I'm like, do you know what the hell he's looking at? Like what the hell this is? Because something over there is really, really bothering him. The only thing I was able to determine was that there was a man there. And I thought, you know, maybe it was a guy at the RV park we're at. I learned a little later, though, that it was not. I don't remember, but I was dreaming about something and my memory was completely wiped from me. So I don't remember what I was dreaming about. But anyways, I was abruptly woken up as if somebody had pushed me. I instantly opened my eyes and was confused because Landon was sound asleep. My dogs weren't moving. So I decided to close my eyes again. In that moment, obviously, I snoozed again and I had seen a male. I didn't recognize the male. He was telling me to be careful and not to tell the details upon this upcoming case. I then closed my eyes again and it happened again three more times where I was instantly pushed and woke up. And this happened over like a period of 20 minutes and my brain was freaking out. Like I 
was being shown things like images of a girl that I had just seen on television with a bullet in her head. And this person was suggesting that if I carried on with this particular case, that would be my fate. Obviously, at that moment, I started to panic and I became scared. I never get scared about spirits, but this one was extremely aggressive and scary. Sounds almost like it was one of the, you know, Murdo people, maybe Paul, trying to scare you into not doing it because he was very aggressive. Now, obviously, Liz had instantly woken me up. She did not want to talk about what she was seeing or anything, but she did tell me that something happened in her dreams and it freaked her out. She was being extremely short with all the details because she was just scared and just didn't want to talk about it at all. I did try to calm her down, but I don't really think it worked very well, honestly. She was just freaked. Oh yeah, I was freaked out <laughs> and struggling to get out of bed. I did not want to get up. Just turned my phone on, turned something funny on just to get myself back, you know, calming myself down. And that kind of helped me go back to sleep. Landon had actually fallen back asleep. But luckily I was able to fall asleep. But damn it, I was scared shitless. Now, when we woke up the next morning, Liz was less afraid to figure out who it was that was threatening her in spiritual form. I decided to go through all of the current cases we had planned to cover. And Landon and I both determined that Alex's father passed away in June of 2021 and then I looked at a photo instantly I felt sick to my stomach and knew exactly who it was and don't you worry we sent Miss Eileen Warnos off to take care of him normally I am so incredibly drained that something like that you know wouldn't happen because I'm always working since I had taken a few days off my brain had a little bit more juice and the spirits were taking advantage of that <laughs> absolutely now they can definitely not do anything to like physically hurt her or harm her but they can definitely you know try to scare her say certain things and what this randolph the third or fourth or whatever the fuck he is had the opportunity to you know mess with her mentally yeah now with that being said i do not care what he has to say to me i'm going to talk about this anyway one way or another Right off the hop, I do want to mention that when it comes to Mallory, she was the first spirit that I was able to connect with. She did want to give a little bit of her side of the story, just so she can also have a say. And since, you know, all her friends were able to give their sides of what took place, she just wanted to elaborate on what took place with the actual accident. Well, she seemed like a nice girl from what I've seen of her. She definitely was. And her friends, Morgan and Miley, those were her soulmates. They were her lifelines. She loved them both so much. And she knows that Morgan blames herself for not opening her mouth and telling Paul to F off and just, you know, take control of things. But Mallory does not blame her. She says that Morgan had no idea what was going to take place and she should have stood up. But she's saying that she could have stood up for her as well. She also just wanted to be with her people minus Paul. He was the toxic energy, and she always hated that guy. Even now, he tries to talk to her and apologize to her, and she has no interest in communicating with him whatsoever, at least not until she has her people with her. She says he'll be waiting as long as it needs to be for her to get her people back, which includes, you know, her mother, her father, her siblings, her friends, and, of course, Anthony. Seems like the two of them had, you know, a very kind of special relationship. You can tell how hard it was for him to communicate in relation to what took place with Mallory. Oh, yeah, he absolutely did. And, you know, he found his soulmate. 
they were and still are soulmates. There ain't no one out there like that for him. He did move on and I believe has a new relationship in his life. It's a very different relationship. He cut himself off emotionally and she does have his heart. But from what I gather, he was so gentle and kind and never treated Mallory poorly and would always make excuses for Paul. But he also was not stupid and knew that Paul had been making a lot of bad choices. But he didn't even care if the boat was on fire. He just wanted to be with her of course, and they were her peace, and they brought her so much of that. She just wanted to be close to Anthony no matter what happened, and she was really nervous at the last few minutes of the boating accident, and she tells me that the two of them were having conversation, but she was also holding on to him extra tight because she was scared of what was happening at the front of the boat. Even Anthony himself blames himself. <laughs> if only he had held on to her tighter. If only he had saved her and took the fall or rolled over he does that quite often and she just wants him to know she doesn't feel that way and it was almost as if you know gravity had a completely different idea in mind it didn't matter how hard he would have pulled her she was bound to go she shows me that it was instant that she was thrown and knocked unconscious and because she was knocked unconscious she drowned right away she says it happened so quickly she felt nothing she just remembers her head hurting for a brief moment and then passing out she shows me that she had passed out and passed on and was there with her friends, letting them know she had heard them. She shows me she was trying to show everyone she had passed on, and although they were looking for her, she knew that her fate was not good. She was so sad for her family and her friends, and she also says she felt like she was the main reason that everyone's eyes became open to the Murdo family. Definitely. I mean, I guess that's why it was her fate, you know, to start the unraveling of that family. I would definitely agree with that. Now, she saved everybody else and really showed the world that they were hiding things. And, you know, nobody wanted to be scared of them anymore. And they wanted to stand up against them. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the evening that Maggie and Paul were murdered. Now, we know that it was Alec and he has yet to confess to these murders or give us, you know, any details of what really took place. So perhaps... You can let us know exactly what took place. Obviously, Maggie and Alec were having some major relationship issues way prior to the events that took place. Now, from what I gather, there was a big motive behind it. It doesn't appear as though he wanted to murder either one of them, but he did. So because of that, they were basically going to expose him. How so? Where do I begin? Obviously, he has his hands in so many illegal activities. It's just difficult to figure out exactly where to go and how to get there, but I'm going to give it my best. Other than abusing pain pills, he was abusing his wife, both his sons. He had blackmail on all of them. From what I gather on the Maggie side of blackmail, she may have been spending some money without his knowledge. There may have been some illegal activity surrounding her as well. I feel like he used that as like a little piece of blackmail on his end for her. When it comes to Buster, obviously all the crooked things that took place in school in relation to the plagiarism, I believe Buster had also injured somebody physically, may have gotten away with it too. 
There's a lot about Paul, obviously. He didn't stop doing things to obtain his father's attention. From what I gather from Paul, he actually shows me he did a lot of this stuff purposely so that he can get opportunities to call his father and his father would actually pay attention to him. That was like the way, you know, his love language for his dad and his dad's love language to him. But this is not the case anymore. Although Paul was carrying on with his alcoholic shenanigans behind the scenes, him and his mom were actually trying to slowly bring Alec down. Now they were trying to gather up some evidence on him so that they can then, you know, spill the beans on him. Absolutely. Maggie had access to a lot of things that Paul did not have access to and vice versa. So the two of them were actually obtaining a closer relationship and trying to bring Alec down. I don't necessarily feel like they brought Buster into this. I feel like they just wanted to keep him in the dark because he would have tried to, like, talk them out of it. I mean, obviously, better to keep very minimal people out of it as possible. Oh, yeah. And from what I gather, Paul was making a couple of better choices. He wasn't spending as much time drinking anymore. He was trying to realize that, you know, he also lost the best people of his life and... He had blamed his father a little bit for that, too. He was starting to realize his mistakes pretty significantly, and he confided in his mother quite a bit about it, especially since the two of them were, you know, coming up with this plan. Also, he talked to her when he was sad about the Gloria and the Mallory stuff, too. So what was the plan? Well... They were going to start making recordings of everything. They could have actually already been mailing things off to a lawyer. They were going to keep it all at the cottage, the one that Paul was staying at. They were going to bring all this evidence forward, written statements from both of them. They were both going to be giving them all like evidence of all of the deaths that Alec had, you know, a connection to the housekeeper's death hurt Paul so much and that's kind of what really drove him. He wanted to do this for everyone who had lost their lives from the Murdo family. Now from what I gather Maggie was not good at hiding what she was doing so automatically Alec knew something was up with her. She wasn't complaining as much. They weren't drinking as much or even communicating with him or aggressively which was odd so he became super suspicious of her. She'd also been spending more time with Paul which also made him super suspicious. Seems like the kind of psycho that would, you know, always be on alert and watching all the movements. Like, he's like, oh, no, something's wrong here. Right. My family is in a drunk mess. <laughs> pretty much. They were pretty close to obtaining what they needed. And from what I gather, they also had a private lawyer or also even a PI. They were also obtaining information that way. There were a few other people in the mix, too. But they were trying to keep everything low key. So Alec started to do his own little digging. And instead of following, you know, them himself, he basically sent his own little henchmen to follow them. And of course, both of them did not know that they were being followed. So they started to obtain documents. In fact, this particular PI that seemed a bit dirty took photos of everything that they had, you know, gathered up. And sent it off to Alec. And Alec decided that then and there that they were both needing to be stopped. Wow, that seems like a real great idea. Let's kill my wife. Let's kill my son. And let's put on an act for everyone. <laughs> right, though? He did have plans to go see his parents this particular day. So he had set it up that way to look like he had an alibi ready to go. 
Now, I don't know why, but I keep seeing this guy with long hair and missing front tooth, very thin, probably about in his 50s, a couple scars, being someone that also went with Alec to do the deed, basically. From what I gather, Alec wanted to confront Maggie and Paul at the same time, but also obtain all the information and burn it. Things did not go according to plan. He thought that Maggie and Paul were together at the time, but she was not. From what I gather, Paul had not anticipated his father's arrival. He had anticipated his mother's arrival, though, so he didn't really pay attention when his dad kind of walked in. He didn't really try to hide anything. As soon as his father walked in, he had already done his Snapchat, which is probably how they were able to obtain those details because his father was coming in and in relation to what he was doing. And I think he started coming at him. Now, he definitely wanted to start being a dad and, you know, like, Alec wanted to scold Paul for his betrayal. Basically, telling him he needed to get his life together and that he was a low life, called him everything under the sun while shooting him. And from what I gathered, just shot his son. His friend was sitting outside, guarding the door, looking for the wife Maggie to appear. She finally started to head towards the cabin and realized that there were some shots fired. Freaking out, she started to run back. And that's when the henchmen screamed to Alec that she was getting away. So then I guess, you know, he changed up his gun and decided to head towards her direction. He needed something to shoot long range with. From what I gather, yes, absolutely. And because it was dark outside, they had to use a specific gun. She was on her phone about to press 911 when she was shot the first time and fell down. Maggie shows me she tried to get back up quickly running regardless of the pain. She was able to do so, but then he shot her again and this time she stayed down. Alec decided to check and see if she was still breathing and because she was slightly breathing and telling him to help her, he let her know that she had to die and he shot her again. And when she finally died, after checking her pulse without using any gloves, basically went back to the cottage, obtained all the documents that were there within the cabin, gave it all to the henchman and sent the henchman away and directed him to burn it and show him proof that it was done and that's when he decided to pull out the little show to tell everyone that somebody had killed his family when in reality it was him. I mean he's clearly soulless and really just didn't give a shit about his family only saving his own ass. Pretty much. I also want to point out that there were some documents sent out to a lawyer and I do believe this lawyer did send them off legally but maybe he was afraid Alec would come after him because you know the dealings with him in the past. So this P.I. and lawyer ended up moving away out of state, actually. This guy definitely just has way too much power over this town and everything, even now. I agree. And from what I see at the trial, he's going to go back to court in 2025. It will be tricky. They may be able to get some knocked off time from his sentence. I also see a couple other things he may be able to obtain as well. There might be like some sort of technicality to get a few years knocked off his sentence. But I mean... He's still going to be in jail for life, so not going to really work for him. Is there anything else that will come that's going to prove that he, in fact, did kill his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie? I believe there will be some people that know some things that just, you know, right now are being quiet and are still afraid to step forward because, you know, the Murdos still have power and keep people afraid. 
Someone witnessed something that worked for them, perhaps a gardener, perhaps another maid. I'm not entirely sure, but there are people that will step forward and I think they'll make a season three on Netflix. And obviously all of this will come to flourishing by then. Well, I'm glad, you know, he's behind bars for now, at least. We have a lot more to say about this case, and we are going to be doing a part two of this once we get some more time to look into this and finish it out. Definitely need to talk more about this family. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. Now, next week, guys, we are going to be diving back into the JonBenet Ramsey case. A big reason why we take cases older is because more information can come forward, which is exactly what happened. So we're going to be talking about some new information that came forward on her case. And you guys are not going to want to miss this. It will be the first episode of the year in January to come out. So until next time, guys, stay freaked out. Thank you.